Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. This is part three of three about the DNA of a Christ follower. In part one, it was an introduction of the concept. Part two, we looked at the first four traits. And today, part three, looking at the next four traits of a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's jump in. Uh, so I'm looking at my list here. Evangelistic is the next trait. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's, again, a, another fairly obvious one, you know, being someone who proclaims the good news. And it, it includes that salt and light. It includes the, the witness of presence. But it also, of course, includes that speaking the gospel, speaking the good news, what Jesus has done for everyone and what Jesus has done for me, and recognizing that it is it really is good news. And I would say beyond that, that we're not just passively evangelistic, that we actually that we actually are alert, that our antennas are up, that we're you know are prayerful, we recognize people God brings into our lives, and we're ready to take a risk and maybe even make a sacrifice for the sake of sharing the good news because again, we love people. And being evangelistic is a function of loving people and obeying the Lord. Yeah. Unfortunately, over the years, when people hear the word evangelism, they shirk back or they've had some bad experiences uh, of evangelists or even think about someone, you know, standing on a street corner with a with a Bible in their hand. And obviously in evangelism, there, there are different uh, stages, whether it's cultivating the soil of planting the seed of the gospel or building friendship relationships for that seed to mature or else there is a time of harvest where, you know, we have the thrill and the privilege of leading someone uh, to cross the land of faith in Jesus. Uh, how, how do you frame uh, that trait in its essence in a person's life? Uh, sorry, repeat that. I didn't catch that. Yeah. So how, how would you just reframe uh, being evangelistic in terms of the different stages of uh, maybe cultivating and planting and nurturing and harvesting. Uh, how does that all fit into the trait of being a Christ follower? Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, being evangelistic, we, we talk, when you talk about doing evangelism, we, we talk about the, the, the different stages of cultivating, planting, and reaping that need to happen in a person's life. And basically an evangelistic person is going to relate to different people differently. You know, we're not going to grab every person we see and share, you know, our favorite gospel presentation with them the first time we meet. Though I have had people tell me that's the way it ought to be. Functionally, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Uh, maybe for some people it does. And that, you know, we need to build relationship. We need to share life. We need to hear their story and share our story. They need to meet other people who know Jesus. And then at a certain point, there will be a harvest. And we need to be alert to the spirit in this. The spirit may prompt us to share with a person we've never talked to before or to share sooner with someone than we think. Uh, but it really comes down to being alert to the voice of the Spirit while carrying the value of those people close to our heart as well. Yeah, so that that's the, that's the challenge. You know, uh, Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.16, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Hmm. And having an evangelistic outlook, uh, obviously means that we're ready to share, uh, to have an answer for the hope that's in us, if anyone asks us, uh, Scripture says. But it's not about us. It's it's about where others are and where Jesus wants to connect with them as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, of all the eight uh, traits that you listed, this next one really caught my uh, intrigue and imagination. It, it's called persevering. 
Yes, uh, and, and and this one and the next one are the two that that you might not have put on a list if you just sat down and wrote a list. But I started, there were some pretty strong statements of persevering through scripture. You know, we, we talk about, you know, the Hebrews, Hebrews 12 passage about running the race, and there's others. And once I once I identified this, this trait in a few places, I started seeing it everywhere, you know, both explicitly and implicitly. And and I use, you know, my description of, of persevering, I actually do use, you know, the Hebrews 12 passage about throwing off our baggage and fixing our eyes on Jesus, but also resting in the hands of the Father, that there's, you know, there's these two sides to it. It's not like that we're holding on to him, he's also holding on to us. But persevering has to do with, I'm going to keep following Jesus. That it might get steep, there might be a headwind, there might be opposition, but I'm going to continue following Jesus because, again, the parable of the sower, some things come in that rob the rob the grain from being fruitful. Persevering says, I'm going to persevere and be fruitful, which we've talked about as disciple making. Yeah, so it sounds like a resolve that you make that uh, whatever happens. Uh, I know someone once said, well, if God said it, I'll believe it. And that settles it. <laughs> it's having that resolve of uh, persevering to the end. Unfortunately... We do read in scripture those who start on the journey, but then they either get uh, uh, distracted by the world, they get discouraged in the world, and um, they they turn away and walk away from their faith. And it, it's just shattering to know that this would be the other end of the pendulum that, that you persevere to the very end. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, at one point in Jesus' ministry, a bunch of people were leaving because of his hard teaching. And he turns to his disciples and says, hey, you guys want to leave too? <laughs> and they said, you know, where else are we going to go? Exactly. You have the words of life. And so, you know, part of persevering is knowing back to who Jesus is, who he is, what he's done. Who else is there? Like, who else is worth following if not Jesus? Yeah. You know, uh, in North America, uh, because of the pluralistic society in which we live, where, you know, you can believe what you believe, I'll believe. Uh, we are really challenged uh, in our faith personally. Now, the Christian church is in North America in terms of it's not politically uh, correct sometimes to hold the views that we hold. But what I'm hearing you say is it's not so much the views that we hold, but it's the views that hold us. Hmm. Uh, and, and that's the difference between an opinion and a conviction. You know, we can, we can hold an opinion, but a conviction holds us. And we may fight for an opinion, but we'll die for a conviction. And, and that's what I, I sense in this uh, character trait is that uh, this is where the anchor of our soul is, and, and we will not be moved based mm. on these things. Uh, around the world, people are challenged more for their faith. Some people are killed for their faith. Mm -hmm. uh, international workers and missionaries uh, live in danger all the time, but they persevere because uh, the roots of their faith have gone down quite deep. Now, now you said also the next one was the uh, second one that maybe some people would question or be intrigued by, God dependency. Yeah. And again, this one is probably one of the big umbrella ones. In other words, it captured a lot of different ideas under one phrase. I mean, this is this this is about uh, you know, the work of the spirit, knowing that we need the spirit. This is about uh, you know, the comfort that God brings. This is about the direction that God brings, this is about the protect protection he brings. It's all of the the, the active work of God in our lives right now that we that we know we need. And and what I found interesting about this trait was the way I've defined God dependence, it's, yeah, we know we need God, but it's also the conviction that he can and he absolutely will help us. 
yeah. that, that it's not like we just need him. He may or may not show up. It's that no, <laughs> he's got our back and he is with us and he's walking with us and that we do call out to him and he responds as our father. Yeah, that, that's the beautiful truth. This uh, dependency upon the father uh, who loves us, who gave his son, Jesus, uh, who we emulate now. But uh, yeah, where, where would we be without our faith? I think sometimes as uh, followers of Jesus, it's easy to take for granted all of the blessings that, that God gives to us. You know, I, you know, I think in the first couple of verses of the book of Ephesians, where, where we praise the Lord who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Jesus. And then the next few verses, it just lists them all. Yeah. And it's oh, quite yeah. an extensive list there in terms of, and, and we're somewhat, uh, uh, we forget, we, we forget how God has given us everything. And, and through his mm. spirit now, uh, he lives in us in a very intimate and a very impactful manner as well. Oh, yeah. No, you mentioned Ephesians. You know, Ephesians 1 again, the, what to, that he prays that we'll know the hope to which he's called us, you know, the riches he's given us and the power he has for us. You know, it's just this, this endless list of, of what God has provided for us. And God dependent says he's there. I need that and he will provide. It's, it's, uh, um, it's, it, I use the concept of resting a lot, like resting in his hands. Uh, you know, I use that in persevering, even the resting in him. And this God dependence is also there's a sense of rest. A sense again that he has paid it all, that he has provided it all, and we're just drawing on his incredible resources. Yeah, the beautiful thing about God is that I just preached a, a sermon on "Don't be anxious" in Ephesians, and uh, there's a little sentence that uh, precedes uh, that statement, and it simply says this: "The Lord is near." Hmm. The Lord is near. Therefore, we don't have to be anxious. The Lord is near. Therefore, uh, we can rely on him. It isn't that we're uh, praying to a God who is absent from our circumstances. He knows us intimately, and therefore we can depend on him, and we should. And unfortunately, the world uh, says of Christians, uh, oh, your God is a crutch. You're depending on him because you're weak. Well, I, I, I don't see it that way. <laughs> Jesus said, I came to give you an abundant life, and as we obey him and lean into him, uh, you're a wise man if you're a dependent, uh, dependent on, on the Lord, that's for sure. Absolutely. We're created, we're created to be in relationship with our creator. Yeah. Now, I appreciate the, the, the last man we've got to, to the eighth trait here. Uh, it's called focus on eternity. So, so now this is a big picture that, that you're inviting us into. Hmm. Yeah. And this one shouldn't be a surprise. It is all over. We, you know, we see it in the example of Jesus. You know, again, Hebrews 12, for the joy set before him. Uh, we see Jesus talking about the glory he had restored, being restored to the glory he had before the incarnation. We see snaps and revelation. It's all, it's all over. Uh, the Apostle Paul, really, a lot of his, a lot of the examples are from his life where he's just, you know, pressing forward to what's yet to come. And this idea that uh, we're here, like we're here, we're, we're fully engaged in this world. We're loving people. We're, we're salt and light and perfume. But we know. There's more. We know that we're in a situation right now that is broken and imperfect and really full of pain. And, and, and that's not going away until Jesus ushers in eternity. And I, I, I intentionally actually use the phrase eternity instead of heaven just yep. to capture, you know, the full orbed understanding, which however people want to slice and dice it of when Jesus reigns fully. And I appreciate this because uh, for the average person to, to look at the average Christian, 
I don't know if there's a real sense of uh, anticipation for our eternal uh, connection with Jesus when he returns. Uh, you know, the, the Bible says, be alert, <laughs> watch, be ready. Uh, and, and when we focus on eternity, it reminds us that uh, we, we aren't trying to recreate heaven on earth, uh, but we are preparing ourselves. We're citizens of another place of, of heaven uh, where our eternal home will be dwelt, even though eternal life starts the, the moment you accept Jesus. And so we should never take our eyes off uh, the eternal nature of the fact that our spiritual lives, we have a spirit that will live forever. Hmm. And, and and therefore we're, we're foolish not to focus on eternity. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, the scripture talks about longing, longing for his return, you know, and waiting for it. And, you know, some days, Tim, I just, you know, dealing with people or situations or looking at the news someday, I say, Lord Jesus, today would be great. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, come now. And, you know, and in the meantime, in the meantime, we, you know, we, 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 uh, the way I describe it, we keep our knees in the ground, our eyes on the horizon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but living in anticipation of that and really practically what it means is, uh, you know, when you think about what it means to invest something. Yeah. And the way we use particularly our time, our limited time, you know, and you and I are a stage of life where we realize how short life really is. Yeah, that's the true. way we use our limited time, the most valuable thing we have really to show where our heart is. Yeah. And, and so I think being focused on eternity means investing our time in some way, whether we're in vocational ministry or not, into things that matter in eternity. Yeah. <laughs> and what matters in eternity? People and the glory of God. Well, let me give you a practical question uh, that our uh, listeners perhaps can uh, ponder. Uh, if you know, like we, we do await the glorious return of Jesus, but if there is some knowledge, I know only the Father knows when, when Jesus will come back, but if, if it could be revealed to us that Jesus would come back in a month from now, uh, how would you spend your last four weeks on earth? <laughs> Uh, you know, who would you be calling and texting? Uh, which priorities and plans would immediately be altered? Uh, which sins would readily be confessed and un unhealthy practices would no longer claim our time or attention? Uh, you know, there, there's this tension of eternity. We live in the mm -hmm. here and now, but at any moment, Jesus could return and, and we don't want to be found asleep at the wheel. Well, no, exactly. I, you know, if we had the one month countdown, I think, you know, trait five, we'd be a little more aggressive evangelistically. Probably, but but I will say, you know, that I believe there is a way to live. Yeah, that makes sense. Whether Jesus is coming next week or a thousand years from now, yeah, you know that that and a big part of it is following moment by moment. You know, abiding in Christ, John fifteen, day by day, taking up our cross daily and following Him, being attuned to the voice of the Spirit. That that is the call. You know, if He hasn't told us, we don't need to know. And, but we're called to, to follow him day by day. And I think if we do that, we will be ready for eternity. We'll be ready for when he shows up, whether it's tonight or 100 years after we're dead. Amen to that. Well, when we started talking about uh, this work that you completed several years ago, the DNA of a Christ follower, and what does a description of a disciple person look like? Uh, you, usually when you make a list, then you look at and see if you can find those traits in others. Uh, what I love about your book is it asks us to consider our own lives uh, because the description of a, uh, a disciple person, uh, it starts with us. It starts with our own uh, experience, our own traits, our own practices with the Lord. 
And uh, this this has been a really, really uh, helpful discussion, uh, just going to the depth of who we are in Christ rather than what we need to be doing to make disciples. It, it starts uh, at the center of our relationship with a God that loves us and that we love in return. Amen to that, Tim. That's for sure. For me, it's been so helpful. I often cycle through the traits in my mind just as a quick you know, self-examination. I teach on this often, and I just encourage people. It doesn't matter to me if people adopt the same list that I have, but I encourage people to wrestle through, at least adopt some kind of personal description of what it means to follow Jesus and then model it yeah. and follow Jesus in that way and call others to join you because that's what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples. Amen. Well, this has been another uh, time with my friend Darren Wright. I'm Tim Beadle. We've been talking about disciple making and going deep to the depth of our heart in terms of uh, living a life that God can use, but living a life that is really focused on our love for God and for others. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.